to the ACR Bulletin Podcast, the show where we cover the latest trends affecting radiology. I'm your host, Chris Hobson, and today we'll be talking with Dominic Paris. Dominic serves as Senior Analyst with ACR Strategy Management Team. Dominic, it's great speaking with you today. It's great to be here. Thanks, Chris. Absolutely. We're just so delighted you can join us. Well, today we'll be discussing the 2021 ACR RBMA Workforce Survey. So Dominic, um, can you please give us some background as to what this workforce survey is and has been and also how the survey results are used? Yeah. So since 2012, the ACR has deployed a survey of practice leaders in radiology to really drive down on the vital stats of the radiology workforce, where radiologists were needed, um, how many were retiring, um, demographic information, questions about uh, FMLA leave, that sort of thing. Um, And so that's where it was. And and it it was one of the more cited papers in the JCR for many years. Um, But when the COVID pandemic hit in 2020, the commission and, and commission leadership, Eric Rubin, um, the HR commission, um, I should say, uh, decided to, to take a pause um, in order to be sensitive to, to folks who might not have time to take what had become sure. a fairly long and onerous survey yeah. um, because it was, it was a fairly detailed questionnaire. Um, and so we took that opportunity to rethink it. Um, it had in many ways um, been suffering from uh, being overlong and perhaps having more topics in it than a single survey should cover. Um, survey fatigue was a thing and our, and our members uh, see no shortage of surveys. Sure. So, so we took the opportunity and we shortened it um, for individual survey takers, but we actually expanded the scope. Um, initially, the survey, like I said, was of practice leaders. Well, we took the opportunity to look at rank and file radiologists as well, um, using a tiered qualification structure. So if you could answer questions about practice level decision making, hiring, that sort of thing, you were you received those questions. But we expanded the total population to include uh, practice leaders, retirees and rank and file radiologists. We teamed up with RBMA to expand our, our pool of practice leaders um, and then we used the ACR sample um, to get a little bit closer to understanding what what was interesting and, and what was what was noteworthy from the rank and file perspective. Um, so we ended up with a fairly significant response and some fairly interesting data. Yeah, that we're going to dig into today, I hope. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. well, I know that from talking to you before we sat down today, one major finding from the most recent survey is that uh, we're seeing a shift in the demography of the work- radiologist workforce, which you kind of alluded to there a little bit. Can you please tell us, uh, I guess, expand a little bit more on these changes and what they p- may portend for the future of the profession? Well, similar to what we're seeing, uh, when when and then we're going to end up talking about other research we do, that's really what our shop does, but similar to what we're seeing with med students, where you see a, a 50-50 split um, of males and females in that, in, in that cohort, um, we're seeing an upward trend in the proportion of radiologists who are female or persons of color across the workforce, and, and primarily in the younger, in the younger folks. Um, and so it's, it's, we're shifting, we're shifting. Um, it, we, radiology has traditionally been um, a, an older, older white um, male club. The average radiologist is a 51 year old white male. 
mm -hmm. uh, in private practice. Um, that's that's changing. Yeah. And I guess, um, as you say, with the average radiologist likely to be younger and more ethnically diverse, I don't see that trend slowing down anytime soon. Um, do you anticipate that broadly their preferences will track against average the average younger worker across all professions? I, and I know that's a lot to ask, but I guess, for example, uh, specifically to radiology, do you foresee the average radiologist placing more emphasis on things like work-life balance, which you see a lot across different professions, uh, environmental stability, especially if as you get younger in the in the demographic of, of uh, young professionals, and also things like proactive healthcare, which which I know is 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 making waves right now. Sure. Um, yeah, I think a lot of this. What's interesting to me is trying to separate what happened during COVID from other workforce sure. trends. You know, in order in order to say that it's that that young folks have have entirely different values, you have to be able to separate it from from you know, history. And, and we can't really do that. But what we can say um, is that people worked really hard during COVID. And mm -hmm. so a lot of the, the options were telework, right? So people, the, the environment created a, a situation where work-life balance became a focus. Mm -hmm. So, so yes, I, I would, I would say that, that younger uh, radiologists are probably going to be more interested in telework. They're probably going to be make themselves more available to um, employed models of of radiology, um, and their values are necessarily going to be different. Um, and how that plays out in the long term, um, and the implications that has for healthcare are. You mentioned the idea of. Um, value-based care and, and really patient-centric care. And, and we do see that more. Um, again, younger, younger and more diverse. So mm -hmm. it's, it's mm -hmm. not just younger, but it's a diversity of opinion is going to be changing the way radiology moves. Yeah. And I, and I've mentioned this in other previous podcasts, but like in the imaging 3.0 world for any viewers who know what that is, that's just, a uh, an initiative is going going on for like 10 years now to really highlight innovations going on in radiology. And, you know, the, the original idea of it was to try to inspire uh, with these very human stories of radiologists who are coming out of the dark reading room and interacting more directly, whether it's with, you know, a coordinated care with, with uh, referring physicians or other doctors or even patients. And so when COVID hit, that threw that for a big loop because so many uh, radiologists ended up starting to work from home and we were getting back into the teleradiology world again uh, with a new spin, which I guess is now that now everyone kind of expects everyone to be, be available online. And um, it's just, I, you know, I'm just throwing that out there for viewers who, who might be interested in, in, in more on this topic. I talked to, for instance, Dr. Uh, Thorworth about this and, and uh, some other people in prior, but I didn't know if, do you think you, you still, if I'm not putting words in your mouth, you see things are still a little bit unsettled uh, we're just kind of waiting. People say we're coming out of the pandemic, but who knows? But so do you think it's kind of a wait and see moment right now more than oh, anything? Yeah. yeah. I, I think the best research drives more questions than it has answers. In some cases. <laughs> right. And I mean, you just, there were a number of words you just said where, where we talk, we talk daily in our shop about the nuances. When you talk about teleradiology, are you talking about somebody working from home or somebody who is an avowed teleradiologist? Mm. Are you talking about, you know, somebody who works um, who, because a teleradiologist could be going to a facility in order to offer, you know, 
CMS required coverage for a building, but they're getting their images shipped in from another facility. Yeah. Meanwhile, a person working from home is different. So if we're doing research on those cohorts, we have to look a little bit more closely at it. Um, and then uh, all of this. So one of the things we found was that the primary uh, practice type is still private practice. Um, the majority of our, our radiologists consider themselves private practice radiologists. And the majority right. of our the, the practice types that we see are private practice radiology. But what does that mean? Mm. Um, if, if, you, if you talk to you know, five different private practice radiologists, you're really probably looking at five different practice models with five different sets of um, resource requirements and, sure. and, and pressures, um, whereas there may be more similarity in other practice types. So that's actually something we're going to be digging more deeply into, putting together some, some groups of physicians to really talk about uh, what what practice type looks for them, what looks like for them, what teleradiology looks like for them, um, what overnight coverage means. Yeah, I was um, thinking Nighthawk, yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things that you, you really have to think about is anybody who is becoming a radiologist in the past couple of years saw volumes go through the roof, right? Yes. They, they were experiencing what folks call the radiologist shortage. And, 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 and while I, I hope I'm not jumping too far ahead, um, but we didn't, we did not see any evidence of a great resignation, but we mm. did see evidence of movement um, among the different practice types and, and, and folks really trying to tailor their career to um, get closer to what they want. In some ways, that's this is a whole separate conversation, but it'd be interesting to parse the numbers along the lines of geography at some point, because before the pandemic, I know there was such a hard time um, not not hard time. I don't want to say that because they're obviously leading lights who are doing this. But on average, it was maybe a little more of a challenge to induce um, uh, a lot of radiologists coming out of school to or out of fellowship or whatever to go to like the non the smaller cities or maybe you know middle of nowhere um, where they where their skills really could could make a much bigger impact. Um, but it'll be interesting. I'm sure that's something you're gonna guys are gonna dig into, or maybe you already have. But a little bit. So one of the interesting things we asked we asked folks um, how likely they were to look for new work um, in the next year, and it, and it turns out most radiologists are not moving. Mm. Um, yeah. So the ones that do want to move want to move to um, a number of different practice types, but from whatever practice type you're in right now, um, there was a, a, a contingent who wanted to be in private practice. Mm. So if you're in the hospital setting, there were some who wanted to move to private practice. Sure. Actually, private practice, when you ask private practice radiologists, which pri practice type they'd pre prefer to work in you know, next year, the, the most likely answer was private practice. So okay. private practice is in demand, but but what about <laughs> private practice, right? Right. Um, you, see, you see private practice as the smaller practice types, right? There, there are fewer radiologists in a private practice on average than there are in an academic practice. And we did look actually at geography. Generally, when you look at the academic, most of the academic practices you find in the Northeast mm. and then national and private practices kind of in the South by numbers. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, so that sort of thing. But, but there are the, we're still in flux, I would say. I, I don't think this has settled out yet. Um, and gotcha. I think that a lot of, Again, the radiologist shortage, um, I'm not sure. We, we haven't done much research on that shortage exactly. We don't have those numbers. Gotcha. Um, but there is, I, I haven't talked to a single radiologist who does not perceive one um, or at least difficulty hiring right now. Yeah, and I know that's a, a broader issue in, in medicine in general is just a, 
just as this aging population that's so big, the baby boomer population ages that that obviously there's going to be shortfalls here and there. So, you know, I don't, I, I, after talking to you a little bit in preparation for today's talk, I know you all didn't specifically ask about this in the survey itself, um, but I'm, I'm wondering based on the data you did receive and maybe just your own insights, um, I wonder if you can extrapolate whether radiologists think tools like artificial intelligence, um, like proactive imaging, like, like these, these ideas you hear talked about, do you think that they'll play a significant role in the future of radiology, maybe, maybe in the next 10 years, say, and uh, particularly when it comes to keeping pace with that increasing workload? Absolutely. Um, I, I do think it will matter. I wouldn't want to speak to what radiologists think about AI. We're actually working on that survey with the Data Science Institute right now. Oh, interesting. We will, we will, okay. we will have some, some data on that. You'll have future. to come back and... Uh brief us on that. <laughs> yeah. Bring somebody with from D DSI with me. So sure, they can sure. speak more intelligently. Um, but I'll tell you this. So I would say that the impact of AI is going to be um, manifold mm. in, in that it's one of the things, technology is one of the things that likely drives interest in radiology, you know, Right. The, the doctors who are who have a unique interest in that technological aspect of things. Um, but again, this actually hinges on practice type in in my in in anecdotally uh, speaking to radiologists, you're not going to see a lot of um, AI being used in small private practices. Right. Where are you going to see the cutting edge technology being used? Larger national practices and academic right. practices. Right. right. So what you might what you might see is a, a lesser resourced practice not using these not incorporating ai as frequently there are difficulties in that um and there are many ai out there what i'm guessing happens is that those smaller private practices will first before before installing clinical ai to make themselves more efficient they will be adding non-clinical ai to make their practices more efficient maybe more cost efficient um and that's that's where i see that starting and there are there, there are a, a number of AI out there used for scheduling hmm. um, and that sort of thing, uh, non-interpretive non functions. And that's where right. I, I really see the first impact being. Um, but then once, once you get to some level of ubiquity, once the average radiologist is using that AI, I, I do believe it's going to create incredible efficiencies. Yeah, and that's like when I mentioned proactive imaging earlier. I, I mean, one of one aspect of that that's, that's been made a lot of uh, in recent years is incidental findings management, and that's really very challenging to take ownership of that if you don't have that either. Some sort of uh, artificial intelligence that helps route, you know, patients in different ways, or or nurse navigators, or something like that. So that'll be really, an, I think, an interesting one to watch too, apart from scheduling and things like you mentioned. So. So I guess, you know, what I'm really interested in is, um, I get, you know, I, I guess an outgrowth of these human resources shortfalls when it comes to staffing, whether it's radiologists or, you know, other staff members who, who, who really keep the trains running in these practices. So I think an outgrowth of that is accessibility issues for the patient. If there's just not enough, uh, if there's not enough people to, 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 to cover the work, um, that presents, you said, population health management. I mean, a central tenet of that is accessibility uh, across the board. So, you know, when, when we look at resource gaps um, that, that our younger radiologists particularly will have to deal with coming up, um, and maybe in a world 
it, it, when that transitionary period where AI might not be able to stop all the gaps. So, um, you know, how do you see this playing out, at least in the short term? Again, we're, this all needs to be settled out, but at least in the next five, 10 years, um, uh, do you also see this, this, this looming issue of accessibility for patients? Uh, and if so, how do you see future radiologists contending with that? I don't know if I see a, future, a giant future issue with accessibility because of the technology that's allowing us to have this interview. Interesting. I think that, that you know, these cell phones are ubiquitous. We mm -hmm. all have a screen that we have access to. And, and most doctor's office, I don't, I don't know anybody who during the pandemic didn't have a telehealth visit. Right. 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 So, so I would argue that um, young radiologists are going to be challenged to create efficiencies unforeseen in previous generations. Right. Um, but I would also argue, I mean, it, when, when you when you think about, I mean, the housing market and, and how it responded to every, all of a sudden everybody being able to work anywhere. When you think about what we call the great resignation, which I mean, I, I, I think was more not not a resignation, but a shifting. Right. Mm. People people were all of a sudden mobile because of technology like this technology that allows us to talk to each other from across the country, um, I think, is going to create a new kind of accessibility before you could have a telehealth visit everybody had this ubiquitous technology but it didn't do anything for mm. it so perhaps the answer is already in our homes on our laptops on our ipads on our you know and and it's just figuring out how to leverage these things how to capture that in electronic health records how to share it with um you know referring physicians and the like how to how to essentially streamline what has been uh, these fragmented tools to becoming a more universal patient care. And I, I, I see opportunity. Um, I see that all the time. Um, but I, I think it's, I think it's going to be, I think we're going to see more efficient radiologists, um, who also are more accessible. Interesting. Yeah. I think where before the pandemic, uh, a lot of radiologists saw, um, or at least a lot of the forward-thinking radiologists saw uh, technology as maybe, um, uh, you know, kind of, I guess, you know, you, it, it was the kind of thing where you um, commoditizing, uh, you know, like you could have um, read people reading from other countries and maybe not delivering that same level of quality. And, and, and so we worried there was a race to the bottom because of, of that. But now I think, you know, maybe mid or post pandemic, um, we are seeing that as almost a positive. It's interesting how it's completely turned around. So uh, just, just to echo what you're saying, I completely agree with you. Um, so um, I guess to round things out, how are you all planning to share the data you've gathered from, from particularly this survey, since it sounds so robust? And I guess, is there a convenient place where ACR members can find this information at some point um, or will it be published in the scientific literature? So what we're going to be doing is the, the HR commission, the ACR Human Resources Commission is working on a number of different papers. I know there's one coming out um, about FMLA. There's one coming out about the diversity aspects of this paper. We even wrote one about the methodology alone that I was working on this morning. Oh, wow. Um, and then we will be partnering with our, our friends over at RBMA and, and hopefully there'll be webinars and that sort of thing. But mm. really the, the, in the long term. This is, this is a baseline for future research. Um, in a couple of years, we'll be able to trend this against um, itself and, and 
really we look forward to we look forward to having these conversations. So if anybody ever wants to have a conversation about this stuff, survey at acr.org is our email address and we're always happy to talk. And 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 I also want to add if you're interested in getting involved in research, we put together focus groups, we're sending out surveys frequently. Um, and we don't we don't want to overtouch the folks who uh, don't want to be surveyed or don't want to get involved in research, but I have a feeling there are a lot more radiologists who do than don't. Gotcha. So can you just repeat that um, email address one more time where people can reach out to the team? Yeah, it's survey at acr.org. Okay. S-U-R-V-E-Y. Awesome. And I guess if anyone has any questions about that, is that enough, is that the best place to, or, or do you, do you want to, are, are you comfortable with people reaching out to you or is, or is that the best email? That's the best email. Okay. It's a catch all. Okay. Um, because if you send it to my email, it's, I get, I get too many emails. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, you know, so okay. it's, Excellent. we, we, we check, we check and respond uh, officially to that other one in my email box. Good. Good. Excellent. Well, uh, um, thank you so much, Dominic. That was such a comprehensive uh, view of that. And I really appreciate you joining us today. And for our listeners, if you have any ideas for future show topics, please let us know on Twitter at the handle at Radiology ACR. And please include hashtag ACR Bulletin Podcast in your tweet. I also invite our audience to check out all our past episodes at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and be sure to subscribe to ACR's YouTube channel to stay up to date on all of our latest episodes. And finally, please do hit that like button on this video if you found it valuable. Thanks again, Dominic. I, like I said earlier, I really hope you can come back and uh, on a yearly basis or maybe even more frequently and update us on this because I think everyone uh, will be interested to know more. Anytime, Chris. I, I love these conversations we have. And, you know, Chris and I, for everybody else's information, Chris and I have worked together for a long time on yes, patient and family-centered care issues <laughs> and things like this. So, so yeah, anytime, Chris. Absolutely. This is fun. All right. Well, thank you so much. And, and thanks to everybody else. Uh, see you next time.